Lord, we thank you for this day. And everyone here in this room is here for a reason. You desire to move in and through our lives, even today. And so make your will clear to us. Guide us, Lord. Show us the steps to take. We just pray that you be glorified just in every aspect of service and ministry that goes on in this building this morning. Especially pray for our children below us, their teachers, that they would just be just excited by your word, engaged to follow Jesus and to, and to, to take steps to, to move with you down there as well. And so we continue to worship and move with you this morning now. In Jesus' name. Please be seated. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, those of you that contributed to the pantry stocking. There was a bunch of food there that we were told was for us to take, so we took it. I hope it was for us, and we took it home anyway, and half of it was gone, and I dipped into some of it before I took it home to my family just to make sure it was okay, and uh, I was getting some munchies there, and so there's a package of Pringles still in my office, but anyway, thank you so much for your warm welcome, and um, we're just glad to be here. This is a, a real journey. You know, the last time I was here, I had this intense nervousness. And, and not, I mean, I've been preaching for 20 years. Why am I so nervous? Well, I think it was because, like, this is huge. Like, if this actually goes somewhere, this is going to be huge because I'm going to have to go home and, and pack and move and, you know, and, and get established in a new place. My kids are going to have to start a school and we're going to have to, you know, find a house and sell a house. And, and it was like, this is a huge thing. And, and so I just felt this like whew, huge burden. But, and yet, with it, there's this excitement of something new, of, of a fresh opportunity. And, and the more people I get to work with and get to know at New Life, the more I'm excited about just being here. Because, you know, the board is the great group of guys and their wives and the staff team, Pastor John and Jess and Renee, and, and just the great team that's here. And I just thought, wow. This is, this is something that I, I think we, we could be a part of. And then I saw the kids in this church, and I thought, this is, this is a healthy church. You know, God doesn't give children to die in churches. He gives them to, to live in churches, to church with new life, right? So, so this, this is, I'm like, God's got something big planned for this church. And so I, I'd love to be a part of that. And that's why I, I came and candidated. We began this process in April knowing God had a new step for us. He was moving us somewhere else. We didn't know where. We kind of told our church in Airdrie, we're, we, we really, it's time for us to move on, but we didn't know where. We applied several different places and had many conversations. At three occasions, I made it to the final two, only to be told they're going with the other candidate. And, and so I'm like, okay, all right. You know, and we were excited about some of those opportunities. Others, we were like, okay, you know, I got to go to see the place before I actually decide, you know. And, and this was the first church that actually invited us to come preach. And we're like, okay, Lord. I guess this is it. This is sort of my last chance, and if, if it's, this isn't it, I don't know what I'm going to do, but we came, and, and, and thankfully the search committee did a great job. The elders did a great job, and, and here we are, beginning some new steps together. And so, as you can see on the screen there, moving up and out in new life in Jesus Christ. This is what I want to talk about. This is what I want to focus on. This is what I want us to just get our, our heads wrapped around as we you know, as I get to know you, you get to know me. This is what, this is my agenda right in here. Moving up and out in new life in Jesus Christ. Read it with me, okay? Everybody together. 
moving up and out in new life in Jesus Christ. I wanted something short. I wanted something simple, right? You know, if you give some big words, men, you know, their eyes just kind of gloss over, you know, and, you know, if it's like a big paragraph, you know, forget it. Who remembers that? I want to be something that pre-verbal kids could remember, up and out, and demented adults could remember, you know, 80-year-olds, you know, up and out, right? We, we could all remember this. It's simple. You know, you could write it on the back of your hand, up and out, moving up and out, a new life in Jesus Christ. Because I, I looked at your documents. Uh, I, I looked at your history. I, I remember being in Lloyd Minster when you guys were doing these services in the park and thinking, what a crazy idea, but what, what a cool idea. And then, and then I heard about in the last, you know, 10-year period where there was this great teaching from the Word of God here and, and that this became one of the fabrics and the values of this church. It's like, yes, we love solid biblical teaching. And so, so these, these two ideas of, 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 of just a passionate outreach and, and, and a deeper understanding of God through His Word, I'm like, how do we mold those together? It's by moving up and out in new life in Jesus Christ. And this is going to get old, you're going to get tired, you're going, to, you're going to hear this again and again and again, but this is going to be my focus for the next season of ministry, certainly for the month of November, we're going to focus on this, and then we're going to jump into Christmas and December, but, but here we are, moving up and out, and, and the two foundational texts that kind of govern this is the Great Commission, Matthew 28, and the Great Commandment, Mark 12, where, where Jesus is like, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, and, and those two, I think, have governed new life. For since it's history, and it will continue to govern us as we move up and out in new life in Jesus Christ. Now the question is, is this your ideas, Pastor Mike, or is this like actually in the Bible? And so if you have your Bible, Matthew 28, I just want to look at it quickly, and then I'm going to give you some examples from the scriptures of men and women that God moved to accomplish his will. Matthew 28, this is a familiar passage to some, maybe new to others. If you're new to church, you're like, I'm not, I didn't grow up in a church, I didn't even have a Bible, then this maybe is new to you, but that's okay. Just track with me. Jesus came, and he, he spent three years with his disciples. He died on the cross. He rose again. He, meet, he meets with them over a 40-day period, and then he kind of has the final meeting, the final kind of hurrah before he ascends into heaven and takes his, his throne you know, place at the right hand of the Father and he, and he rules the universe from the heavenly scope right now until he returns. But he, before he goes up there, he's like, guys, listen to me. Verse 18 of Matthew 28. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. I'm the king. I rule. Absolute. Absolute authority. No one else has any authority that, that is, does not belong to me. I, I give authority and I delegate authority. The, everything is now under my hand and care because I, I am the risen, conquering king and I'm the coming king. And he says in verse 19, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. In verse 19, actually, it's, my translation said, therefore, go. But actually, in the original, the first word of that verse is, go, therefore. Go. You could also insert the word, move. Go. Get up. Put locomotion to your feet 
and, and progress in a direction of making disciples. We sometimes have perhaps been wooed into the idea that Christianity is just something you receive and you just sit in. It's sort of a static experience of, I came to faith in Christ and now I'm there, I'm good. But what the Bible presents is that people that respond to God in faith are always moving. They're not sitting still. They're not just receiving. They're not just passive participants in in God's eternal program. They're actively moving forward with God. He says, move, go, make disciples. Get up and, and get out and keep moving on. And this is the standing order until he returns. It has yet to be fulfilled. As I travel around our city, go to the stores, go to the gym, go to the schools, I just encounter people that are described here by Jesus as of all nations. Our city is full of people that are not, at this moment, disciples of Jesus Christ. And the command that he's given to us is to go and to make those people into disciples. To lead them to the new life that is found in Jesus Christ. And so this is kind of the foundation of what God has given to the church right now. Now you notice we're moving up and out. We're moving towards God and we're moving towards each other and towards the community. We're always moving. And it's the focus of our movement is that new life that's in Jesus. Now that's kind of a little play on words there. Ha, ha, ha. New life. We're moving in new life here. We're also moving in the new life experience we have with Jesus. It's, it's in, and there we are. So we're moving. Let me give you some examples in the scripture of, of this idea of movement. You're like, hey, well, I, I'm not quite tracking with you. Okay, well, the book of Genesis, you, don't have, you can turn there, but you can also just listen. In the book of Genesis chapter 5, we get this list of people, the genealogy of Adam and, and Eve, and it talks about this guy named Enoch. It says of Enoch in verse five, chapter 5, verse 23 of Genesis, Verse 22, he says, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years, walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. In this list of, 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 of men you know, that kind of followed Adam's lineages, lineage, it comes to this guy named Enoch, and it describes him as a guy who walks with God. You see, what happened in the Garden of Eden was this is the reality. Adam and Eve walked with God, but when sin entered, this fellowship became disrupted and, and, and people didn't walk with God. But then people with faith that wanted to move with God according to his plan would continue and would walk with him, would move with him. And Enoch is described as a guy that moved with God. So much so that God just said, just keep on moving, Enoch, right into heaven. You know, and he, he doesn't die. In chapter 6 of Genesis we find that the situation had gotten really ugly. It says in verse 5 that the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. He saw everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. Bad. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. The Lord said, I will wipe this human race I've created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all the people, all the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. God's like, I need to clean off the hard drive and reboot this thing. Done. I need to just scrap it all. It's, it's horrible. 
I mean, we're not even six chapters into the Bible, and God's like, sin has destroyed the world. People are violent. They're disrespectful. They're doing their own thing. They're moving in their own direction. i got to clean it up. And it's depressing, but then there's this one last little phrase there. It says, but Noah found favor with the Lord. You're like, well, what, what set Noah apart from everyone else? How come he wasn't just going with the flow when it tells us in verse 9 that this was the account of Noah and his family? Noah was a righteous man. He lived his life by the standard that God set. He was the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Everyone else is moving in their own direction. Noah's moving in God's direction. He's moving up and out the direction that God is telling him to move. And as a result, God reboots and restarts this whole creation through Noah and his family. God says, I have a plan. And my plan involves my creatures, the ones created in my image, walking with me, moving with me. That's his plan. And as long as you move with him, you move in his plan. When you move your own way, you move away from his plan. And the plan that he has for the church in this day and age is to move up and out in new life in Jesus Christ. In Genesis chapter 12, we find another guy. His name is actually Terah, sorry, chapter 11. It says, Terah took his son Abraham, verse 31, his daughter-in-law Sarah and his sons Abraham's wife and his grandson Lot, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. Terah lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. It seems like God called Terah and said, I want you to go to Canaan. And he came around the Fertile Crescent, and he stopped at a really great place where there was lots of trade. He was able to establish a, th a thriving business, and he never made it to the place that God was moving him to. And so his history ends there. Terah is the guy that made it to Haran, and that's it. And in chapter 12, it tells us that the Lord said to Abram, Terah's son, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. I mean, so, okay, Abram, I got a great plan for you. Just leave everything behind. Leave your great business. Leave your family. Now, this is ancient Near Eastern culture. You think about some of our cultures. You don't want to leave your family, but in this culture, you never left your family. You stayed together. You were a tribe. You were a clan. You were blood. You, 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 know, you, you supported each other. You lived together. He's like, leave them all and go to a place that I'm going to show you. You don't even know where I'm going to take you. Trust me. Move with me. And the promise is, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Your name will be known as the one who was blessed by God. So Abram just departed as the Lord instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. When he arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled throughout the land as far as Shechem. There he set up a camp beside the Oak of Merah. At that time, the area was inhabited by the Canaanites, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. 
And Abram built an altar there and dedicated to the Lord who had appeared to him. I mean, not till he gets there. Suddenly God appears. I mean, it's kind of like he's wandering, kind of moving in the dark almost. And that sometimes life feels like that. We're moving up and out a new life in Jesus Christ, but you're like, I don't know where I'm going. And God says, trust me, I'm moving you according to my plan. And then you get there and you realize, oh, God was there all the whole time and he was with me in this move. We find this lady in the book of Ruth. She happened to marry a foreigner who had moved to her, her country of Moab. And then her husband died. Her father-in-law died. She's a widow. Her aged mother-in-law is a widow. Her sister is a widow. And they're all kind of widows struggling along in Moab. And finally Naomi decides that she's going to go to Bethlehem where she came from. And she's got these two daughter-in-laws, Ruth and Orpah. And she tells the girls, like, you just go back to your home. I'm going to go back to Bethlehem. You, you start out over again here in Moab, and I'm going to start out over again in Bethlehem, and just, just forget me. And so the one daughter-in-law decides, yeah, okay, I'm going to go back to Moab. But Ruth says, no, I'm going to stick with you, Naomi. She's like, look, just, just leave. Just go back. I can't, even, I can't even help you. And Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Where you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I'll be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. Moses is standing in the desert with a bunch of sheep. It's a comfortable life, right? There's no people around. <laughs> no conflict, right? You got a problem with a sheep, you just kick it or hit it, right? You know, he's enjoying life. It's simple. It's easy. He's moving, you know, it, it's just a, it's the life he's used to. He's safe out there. He's just the com comfortable with the rocks and the hills and the cactus and whatever else is going on, snakes and every, you know, and then he sees this strange thing. That's a bush burning but not being consumed. He's like, well, that's really weird. He starts walking towards it, and all of a sudden, ooh, Moses. Take off your sandals. This, the ground you're standing on is holy ground. And he takes off his shoes, and he, and he approaches this bush, and it's God, and he's speaking to him. He interrupts the comfort and the routine of his life to say, Moses, your life is going to change in a big way. He says in verse 10 of chapter 3 of Exodus, Now go, move, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Go, Moses. And then we get to the New Testament. And the Son of God enters our universe, our world, the, the created realm, the, the sinful world that we all live in. And he grows up, and he becomes a man. He's baptized. He initiates his ministry. He's tempted. And he begins to invite people to move with him. Come, follow me, he says. That's what I preached on the last time I was here. Jesus invites us to move. And then as he leaves this earth, he commands his disciples, go and move like I moved with you when I was here. Do you remember what I did? I went and I invited people to follow me, to join me, to join what God was doing, and, and we did, and we went and did stuff. And that's, that's what you're still doing. Keep, keep moving. Keep moving up. Keep moving out in the new life that is in Jesus Christ. 
All these examples remind us that God is not calling us to sit still, to be passive. He's inviting us to be part of his plan, to do something significant, something that will last, something that will carry on beyond ourselves. We we can look back and say, yeah, I, I, I was involved in something much bigger than just a daily project or another, you know, construction or some kind of, you know, banking issue or whatever it was that we were doing. I mean, it was bigger than that. It was people. It was lives. Moving up and out to new life in Jesus Christ. Moving. Moving is not an easy thing. We went home and we started packing. I realized, you know, I, I should have had a garage sale earlier in the summer. You know, you know the boxes are getting full. I'm, I'm going to buy 30 boxes. That's got to be lots, right? And suddenly we're done 30 boxes. And Lisa's like, I got some more boxes. I'm like, oh, no, you know, got to go buy some more boxes. Go buy some more Rubbermaids, you know. And, you know, and, and we get almost everything packed up. And then I go back down for the final cleanup. And, and there's still stuff. And I'm, st- I'm jamming my Suburban full. And I'm just like, oh, it's not easy. Here's Moses. I mean, yeah, Moses. You've had it real nice and comfortable, quiet, but now I'm going to send you to a bunch of whiny people. They're going to complain. You're going to be ridiculed. You're going to be, you know, criticized. And you're going to, it's going to be just, it's going to be the, the most pain you've ever experienced leading these people. But, but I'm moving in and through you, Moses. I'm with you. You wonder why Moses spent so much time in the tent with God. Because he was like, Lord, I need help. Help me. Ruth, I mean, she's taking a huge risk here. She's going to, to a place she's never been, Bethlehem. Why, why would you do this? Because she, she obviously saw something in Naomi's life to say, the God of Israel is totally different than the God of, of Moab. The God of Israel doesn't ask you to sacrifice your kids at his, uh, at his altar. The God of Israel doesn't show up in, in a form. He's, he's invisible. He's a spirit. He's He's holy. And she's willing to risk her whole life to go with her, her, her widowed mother-in-law back to a town she's never been to because she just said, there's something about God, this God, that I can trust and I'll hold on to and he'll take care of us. And if you know the story, you know, she starts gleaning in the field and then she meets Boaz. Oh, what do you know, you know? And little sparks are flying, you know, and, and wow, you know. But God's moving through this, right? God's taking, looking after them with, you know, and suddenly Boaz is like, well, yeah, I, I can redeem you. I can take the, the, the right of, of, you know, of you know, providing heirs for, for your, your deceased husband, but there's one guy closer than me, and so he gets the first option of refusal, right? So, you know, Boaz shows up at the gate, and he's like, look, you know, do you want this field? Oh, yeah, I want the field. Oh, yeah, if you get the field, you get the woman. The guy's like, I don't want the woman. <laughs> I want the field. You can have her, you know? And so Boaz is like, oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> and takes her, and, and, you know, boom, you know, and they have a little baby, Obed. And Obed grows up, and he has a little baby, Jesse. Jesse grows up, and he has a bunch of kids. And at the, the last end of the kids is this little guy named David, the shrimp. You know, the, the runt. You know, when, when he has a, a banquet, he doesn't even invite David to the banquet. He invites all the other sons, and David's still in the fields, you know, looking after sheep. But David becomes the greatest king of Israel. And through David's line, ultimately, is a guy named Joseph, who's married to this virgin who somehow got pregnant. Mm, you know, <laughs> but we know that's by the Holy Spirit, and, and, and Mary and Joseph have this baby named Jesus. God's moving in and through people of faith. 
I mean, a group of people took a, a risky thing and started this church years ago. They sacrificed and they poured out and they got out in the community and, and they did the work and, and we're, we're recipients and benefits and blessed through their efforts because they moved with God, they trusted Him and He provided. Here we are in this building and we see these children and, and, and the, the work continues. God continues to move. I like stories. and I have a couple books with some really good stories and I, I found this one that I just love to share and this is kind of more recent right it's one thing to talk about you know mary and joseph and moses and ruth and abram and and enoch i mean these guys lived in women lived you know thousands of years ago but but what about in our generation well when, when i was born the year i was born a lady died but she lived an extraordinary life they called her granny brand or evelyn brand but let me read her story Tears streaking down her cheeks, Evie Brand pleaded with her mission board. Rules were rules, they answered. She was too old to go back to India. She must retire. Evie had sacrificed her comforts, her tiny income, her family for the work. With her husband Jesse, she had pioneered the mountains of death until he died of fever. Year after year, she lived entirely on a small inheritance and set, set aside her official salary to purchase parcels of land for the mission. But the board said it made no sense to appoint a 68-year-old woman to another five-year term. Evie did not see it that way. Years ago, she and her husband, Jesse, had vowed to each other to reach five mountain ranges with the gospel. Four still had to be reached. Evie felt that God intended for her to fulfill that vow. She saw one last chance. Please send me back for one year, she pleaded. I promise not to make any more trouble. At the end of one year, I will retire. Reluctantly, the board agreed. When her year with the mission ended, fellow missionaries gathered to wish her goodbye. Then came the shocker. Evie gleefully informed them that she was retiring from the mission, retiring to take up independent work in the mountains. <laughs> I love it. She would fulfill the promise that she and Jesse had made years before. Protests and warnings fell on deaf ears. Rejoicing, seven years old, Evie began to fulfill Jesse's dream. Everyone called her Granny now, but she felt young. She traveled from village to village riding a hill pony, camping, teaching, and dispensing medicine. She rescued abandoned children. The work was hard because her body was thin now. Life became even more difficult when she was dropped by her carriers and whacked her head on a rock. She never completely recovered her balance after that. She took to walking with bamboo canes in her hands. Yet the face she turned upon the world was full of joy and laughter. Praise God, she explained, exclaimed continually. Despite broken bones and fevers, she labored on. In 15 years, she almost eradicated guinea worm from the Calrian range. Guinea worm grows several feet long under a person's skin. Through her efforts, the five ranges were evangelized and a mission work planted on each. She added two more ranges. Extraordinary, said people. Granny insisted it was all God's doing. Whether on her mountains or off, she proclaimed Christ. In a hospital with a broken hip, she scooted on a carpet from room to room and talked to the other patients. She painted landscapes for them. Her bones knit in record time, and back she went to the mountains. Her son Paul visited her and found her looking not older but younger. This is how to grow old, he wrote. Allow everything else to fall away 
until those around you just see love. Granny tore some ligaments and had to go to the plains for treatment. Before she returned to her beloved mountains, her speech became jumbled and her memory failed. Seven days later, December 18, 1974, she died. The next day, her body was taken back to the hills and laid beside Jesse's as a multitude wept. The woman who was considered too old for missions had carried on for 24 more years. I mean, between the ages of 70 and 90s, she accomplished more than most people will in their whole lifetime. Why? Because she moved with God. She just trusted him. Even when the mission board's like, you got to retire, she's like, oh, I'll retire, ha, 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 to independent work, you know, I mean, and I just love that. She's like, nothing's going to stop me. She wasn't looking forward to playing crib in some trailer park in Phoenix. She was looking forward to greater and bigger things. Her retirement was not, I can relax and do my own thing retirement was that day when she breathed her last breath and moved into the presence of Jesus. Moving up and out. Now, we may not have that dynamic of a life. I'm not saying that. I mean, that's like, whoo, that's crazy. But you know what? Each and every one of us is given an opportunity to make a difference in this world because of the new life of Jesus Christ. It's your workplace. It's your neighborhood. It's your sports area. It's your recreation. It's your agricultural interests. I mean, each of you has a sphere of influence that God's placed you in for a specific purposes of moving up and out in new life in Jesus Christ. People will see it in your life. You'll have opportunities to talk about it, and you can make a difference in the mountain ranges that you live in, just like Evelyn Brand did in hers. The thing about moving is it's not fun to move alone. It's depressing. But you know, when I pull my truck into Lloyd Minster and stopped at the store right, and people kind of showed up to help in the church here, it just made it a lot easier. It was like, oh, I don't have to do this alone. I don't have to force my wife to carry those heavy pieces of furniture, you know. There's, you know, Keith's there to help. John's there to help. Tim's there to help. Ephraim's there to help. I mean, we had men, strong men to help. And that's the beauty of, of moving together is that, that we don't carry the load alone. We carry it together. Even little kids were there helping us unpack the truck, little ones, you know, and I thought, this is awesome. We're moving. Each one of us can, can carry something. doesn't matter how old you are, what physical state you're in, there is a ministry that you can be involved in moving up and out in new life in Jesus Christ. And so we begin this next stage of our church history. I am not the Savior. Jesus is. I'm simply pointing us in this direction, that we will move up and we'll move out in the new life that is in Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's why, I mean, this is not anything new. I'm just rearticulating what's been going on here for 25 years, just refocusing you. But what I'm going to tell you is each and every one of you has a part in this. We will be inviting you to be a part of it. And as you do that, you may find yourself giving up other things in order to continue to move with God. 
But let me tell you, every sacrifice is worth it. Because I want you to be able to have something in your life that you can point to and say, that is making a significant difference. You know, Sunday mornings, you know where the biggest difference is going on? Sometimes here, but it's probably right below us. Adults teaching children. Building into those young little hearts and minds. That's one of the most significant things that's going on right now in this room. Besides what's going on here, it's those kids. And we're given an opportunity to participate in that. But, but beyond that, I mean, God opens doors of, for all of us to serve Him. We're moving up and out in new life in Jesus Christ. So my question for you is this. You're going to be sitting in your car this week. You're going to be sitting in your home, sitting in a coffee shop, sitting somewhere in a waiting room. And you're going to be wondering, where am I moving? How am I moving? Where does the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit desire for me to move? What lives does He want me to reach out to? What places does He want me to go? I mean, each and every one of us, the Lord speaks to us and He says, okay, here's here's the next step for you. Take it. And for us, it was. Okay, we're packing up. We're moving to Lloydminster. One little miracle. I'm just going to share this little story. You know, we, we got the call from New Life. We were excited. It was encouraging. It was like, yeah. But we had this house in, in Airdrie. We, we'd built onto this old house. We'd rebuilt it. It was, it was nice. Kind of a weird sort of, you know, it was a big house. It was nice. And, and, and it was kind of like, can we sell this house in November and end of October in, in Airdrie? And, it, you know, it's... You know, it's sort of, you know, I mean, it's going to be a difficult situation. We said, you know, Lord, it would sure be nice if you would just sell this house for us. We don't want to list it. We don't want to get a realtor. We don't even want to advertise, Lord. And, you know, he tells us to ask in the Scripture. This seemed presumptuous, but this is what our ask was. Lord, it would just be so simple if you could just move this house for us. And, you know, the Father in Heaven delights to hear His children. And it seemed audacious, and, and at times even my faith faltered. But Lisa was like, no, I think God's going to sell our house. And, and lo and behold, my mom texted me one day, because one guy did look at it, but it didn't. It was, totally fell through. It was this guy from the church, but then nah, it wasn't going to happen. And so we were back to square one, and my mom texted me. He's like, yeah, I got this friend that might be interested in buying your house. And I'm like, yeah, it's a lady she met walking her dog in Airdrie. You know, like, what? You know, okay, sure, Ma. You know, tell her to give me a call. You know, like, I'll, I'll knock on, you know, I'll turn over every rock. But I mean, it seemed really like a far off thing. Like, you know, is this woman really going to buy my house? Like, you know, sometimes you say, that, oh, I might buy that house someday. You know, and they, I thought it was one of those kind of. So this lady calls me. We have this conversation. She shows up a week later with her husband, and they just look through our house. And it's a Friday, and we're like, well, you know, give me the weekend. Tell us what you think. Would you like to buy it? You know, and. They come back Sunday night, and, and, and they're like, yeah, we want to buy it. I'm like, okay. I said, well, this is kind of what we need. You know, I said, if I was listing it, I'd list it here, but here's what, I, here's what we want to get for the house. And they said, okay. Sure. A day later, they showed up with the documents from a lawyer. Here's the offer to purchase for that agreed-upon price that we had put forward. And on the 30th, I checked with the bank. And the money was there. <laughs> it went through. <laughs> this is not anything that I could have orchestrated. Only God could have done this. You see, when you take steps with God, he looks after the details. It's scary. 
We're like, okay, well, I guess we'll buy a house. We'll try to sell a house at the same time. We'll have to go back to, you know, it's going to be a real confusing and a mess, Lord, but the Lord took care of it for us. And you know what? It's going to be messy, our move ahead as a church. But God will look after the details if we trust him together. As long as we keep moving up and out in new life in Jesus Christ, he will guide us each step of the way. But we've got to do it together. It's not the staff doing it for you. It's us doing it together. The staff are here actually to equip you so that we all do it together. This is the way it's going to be. Moving up and out in new life in Jesus. I'm promising you it's not going to be easy. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be messy. You're going to find baggage that you wish you would have left behind. And, you know, I should have, you know, I should have, why did I pack that box? I should have, you know, we, when we hauled stuff to the Salvation Army, we, we got rid of stuff, but not enough stuff. And, and along our journey, God's like, you got to get rid of some stuff. I mean, Abram's moving, and he's bringing Lot with him. And when he brings Lot with him, he gets all sorts of problems because he, he bragged, he took baggage that he shouldn't have taken, right? And, and God's like, I'm moving you, but as I move you, you're going to have to get rid of some stuff. But as you get rid of stuff, I'll replace it with even better things. Moving up and out in new life in Jesus Christ. I hope you're ready to move. I'm ready to move. And I think there's exciting days would you pray with me as we, as we close? So heads bowed and, and eyes closed, the team's going to come up. And, and just, you know, if you've never taken that first step with Jesus Christ, and it's just as, we, as we're praying, I, I'm, I'm inviting you to tell you you could receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. He died for your sins, he rose again, and, and he wants to move in your life and, and through your life and with your life. And as a believer here today, maybe you're like, you know, I've been moving, but I don't think I'm moving with God. And, and today just could be a day that you just say, Lord, I want to move with you. I don't know where that, where, what, what that means, but I'm just saying, guide me, Lord. To, and and I, I just, I, I, I challenge and encourage you to, to make that your prayer today. Say, Lord, I'm willing to move. I don't know how or where, but just take me where you want me to go. And together as a church, let's pray together. Father, move us. Up and out in the new life that is in Jesus Christ. Lord, would you make us a, a unified body as we hear your voice, respond, and see you work in and through our lives. Thank you for being faithful to new life over the, the decades of its, of its existence. And we pray in, in, in faith that there will be even greater days ahead through our children, through our youth through our seniors, through our middle-aged adults, through our singles, through every person that's here, Lord. Accomplish your will and do great things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand.